you know, what we put in is what we get out. We reap that which we sow. We reap that which we sow. I, I have found in my years that when we come into the presence of God and the house of God, oftentimes what we get out of it depends on what we put into it. You understand, we don't earn something from God. He freely gives, but he that soweth in tears, the Bible says, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing in his sheaves with him. And so when we come together and you pray and worship as you have here at the outset tonight in unity, it is a, an opening of your spirit and mind to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you and I can ask or even think. And he does this according to his power that works in us. This is what he does. We don't produce that. But we come and we worship because he's worthy. And then because he is bound by his word, he, he inhabits the praises of Israel. And so, because he's no respecter of persons, we know that therefore he dwells where we praise. And so, I thank God for the privilege of praise and for your worship and praise tonight. I feel the anointing of the Lord here, and I'm thankful for that. Amen? You can be seated for a moment. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. I... Uh, If I, another element of receiving of the Lord is expectation. Um, you know, we very familiar passage in Scripture in Acts chapter three, when Peter and John came to the temple. The man at the gate asking for alms, and Peter and John stopped, and Peter said, "Look on us." And when Peter said, look on us, the scripture tells us that he looked on them expecting to receive something of them. God responds to expectation too. And so, wine, because expectation is an expression of faith. It's an expression of faith. It's... An expression to God that, God, I'm not simply putting in my time, but I have come this evening to worship you and expecting for what you would choose to do. And so I come with expectation. Um, I'm, I'm not, uh, you understand, I'm not trying to hype anybody up, or uh, so I'm trying to just sort of stay steady here. I'm not trying to pump anything up. These are just principles that we know from the Word of God. And there are times where we push beyond our flesh. We, we should ever seek to push beyond our flesh to get in tune in the fellowship with the Spirit of God. 
and expectation is a way that we do that. And it is not based on feeling. I don't know if the man sitting at the gate beautiful had any feeling when Peter and John said, look on us. I think he had some hope. He was hoping to get some alms, right? Got legs. But he was excited about that. And he stood up and walked and went leaping into the temple. Hope and expectation joined together. Um, Amen? That's for somebody tonight. And so I have come with hope and expectation in my spirit. Um, Brother Renee, could you maybe put a scripture up for me, please? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. We're going to transition here in a second. We, we speak often, rightfully so, about walking in the Spirit, and we should. Uh, if we are children of God, we will. Um, not just should, if we're children of God, we will walk in the Spirit. Um, how can I say that? Because Roman 8 tells us, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So we must be led by His Spirit to be His sons. And so as children of God, we should walk in the Spirit. Um, when Jesus came and walked on the earth in His earthly ministry, John the Baptist spoke of him coming into the Jordan River and said of Jesus, there's one coming after me of whose shoes I'm not worthy, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He said, I've baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Remember hearing that before? And... Uh, I've been thinking a lot about fire lately. The Lord's been dealing with me about fire. And I, I don't know that at times we are content to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. But we do not. And we desire to remain baptized with the Holy Ghost. But we do not necessarily seek to be baptized and remain baptized with fire. It's possible for fire to go out, you know. But the design and the desire and the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ, as declared by John the Baptist, was to baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, let's read for a second. It's taking longer than I thought already. Hebrews 12, 28, wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let that get in your spirit. Receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. You know what that means? It means can't be defeated. Can't be shaken. 
can't be overcome. We receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. And we know, of course, that is not a natural, it's not a realm, it's a reign. It is a reign. We receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace. Whereby we may serve God. Anybody want to serve God acceptably? Whereby we may serve God acceptably. Notice, with, all of this comes because we've received a kingdom. And since we've received a kingdom, we're going to have grace. Now, the way he says, let us have grace, grace should be operating in us. The scripture in Hebrews calls the Holy Ghost the spirit of grace. So let us have grace. And it's by grace, not by our own doing, not by our goodness, not by our ability, not by our efforts. Not, it's by grace, because we receive this kingdom, that we can serve God acceptably and we do it with reverence and godly. Now hold this thought. Fear. See, this is a, progression, a progressive work that we see spelled out here in this verse. We receive the kingdom. Right? It was Jesus that declared when they say, you know, lo, here or there. The kingdom of God is not here or there. He said, lo, the kingdom of God is within you. So we receive the kingdom. Can't be moved. So now we have this spirit of grace and we should serve God or it enables us to serve God. We didn't do it ourselves. Right? If anyone is a good servant of God, it's because the spirit of grace enables us to do so. Not because any one of us are good, for in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. And so grace enables us to do what we cannot do ourselves, which is serve God acceptably. Now, notice that verse doesn't end there. I mean, the verse does, but the thought doesn't. It ends with a colon, which tells us there's going to come something after it that further defines this. You with me? Verse 29. That's exactly what you expected, isn't it? For our God is a consuming fire. Notice it doesn't say our God is a warming fire. I like warming fires when it's cold outside, don't you? But it does not say our God is a warming fire. It doesn't say our God is a pleasant fire, a toasty fire, a romantic fire. You feel in the, it doesn't say any of that about him. He is a what kind of fire? Consuming. So if he's going to baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire, and the Spirit of God is going to, the Holy Ghost is going to lead us and guide us into all truth. This is the purpose of the Holy Ghost, right? Is so that we can now be led by his indwelling spirit, right? It's not so I have a ticket to punch to say I'm going to go to heaven. Now we need the Holy Ghost. It's the quickening spirit that will lift us out of here. 
But the Holy Ghost is designed to be the indwell. It is the indwelling spirit of God that should begin to govern our lives to where I no longer walk after my own thoughts in my own way. But the Holy Ghost now is governing this kingdom. He is now in authority. The king now has dominion kingdom in my life. And so I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, and I no longer do my own thing. I now seek to yield to His voice, the voice of the Spirit, and thereby walk and live according to the will of God. The will of God, I was telling somebody this today, that reached out, I was talking to in another state. They're facing decisions, talk, they were concerned about you know, finding the will of God. The will of God is not a destination. The will of God is a journey. We should walk in the will of God. Okay, and so the indwelling of the Holy Ghost allows us to do that. We're led by the Spirit. We walk in the will of God. So what is this consuming fire? I mean, if he's baptizing us with the Holy Ghost and with fire, the fire has a purpose, right? What's its purpose? To do what? To burn. Okay, yeah. To consume. Amen. The purpose of the fire is to consume. Consume what? Carnality. What else? Huh? Us. Fire does two things. It consumes two things primarily. It consumes the chaff. The chaff. Right? That's what you use to make bread. They, they harvest the wheat. They separate the wheat from the chaff. The wheat goes through this whole process of losing its identity till it becomes flour. It's mixed with oil. It's put in a hot oven. And the chaff that was gathered at the same time is now used to fuel the fire. It consumes the chaff. And this wheat becomes bread, which is what he identified with as his body that was broken. Consumes the chaff. The fire is also meant to consume a sacrifice. A sacrifice. You read through scripture, fire causes dross to come to the surface to bring out dross is the impurities in silver. And it's fire that causes those impurities to come to the surface so that the refiner can scrape them off of the surface so that the silver becomes pure. Fire brings impurity to the surface. Fire burns up chaff. Fire consumes the sacrifice. And so we begin to see as we start looking, and if, I, if the Lord ever has me minister this message, you guys are just getting all these pieces, but the Lord's just been dealing with me just the last couple of days. This is why he baptizes us with the Holy Ghost and fire. The fire should continue burning in our lives so that it causes impurities to come to the surface, not to condemn, 
but so that the refiner can begin. It's the purifying process of our lives. It continues working. There's not a single one of us that received the Holy Ghost and then said, Completely pure. There's nothing else in there for God to deal with. I'm now filled with His Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I have no other issues in my life that He has to work on. Right? You say, well, you're taken away from the Holy Ghost. No, I'm not. You and I are human. And so He baptizes us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And the fire continues to work. And as those things try to come back into our life, if the fire is there... It will continue to consume those things. Now, there's one other thing fire does. It gives light. I'm sure there's much more it does, but this is all the Lord's telling me. It gives light. And so this consuming fire shines light on areas in my life. It also becomes a light to a lost world. The fire becomes the light to a lost world. Jesus used the example. No man lights a candle and then sticks it under a bushel. You don't light it and then hide it. You light the candle and then you set it up so people can see. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. What's he talking about? He's talking about light. You understand the Holy Ghost and fire... Fire has a purpose in our lives. I have found myself the last few days, morning and evening at times, and it's been the Lord. I'm not saying, oh, look at me. I've done something. I'm doing something. I'm simply expressing to you where God is, has been taking me these last few days in prayer. I find myself, I have this little footstool in my home that, uh, in the living room where I pray in the mornings. I find myself on the floor just laying across that thing. It just sort of fits good right on my chest and so I can lay there and put my arms off one side and have my knees on the floor. And, and I find myself praying for the consuming fire of God. I want it to consume in my life the things that would hinder his work. I want it to consume and bring impurities to the surface so he can clear them away. I want it to consume this sacrifice, Right? Paul in Romans 12, I beseech you, present your bodies a living sacrifice. A sacrifice with no fire. If you and I want to go deeper in the Lord and in the walking of His will, we must be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And I have lived long enough to witness those whose fire went out a long, long time ago. And they've simply settled for being filled with the Holy Ghost. But there is no fire. How do I know that? Impurities just continue to grow in your life. Their relationship with God grows cold or indifferent. 
And when I say through the years, I don't mean like just through the years right here. I, you know, I've lived 50 years. I've been a few places. I, I've just witnessed. I've witnessed some that have just become good attenders. No fire. No fire. I want fire. I want fire. I want it burning in me. That fire. That one. Him. This consuming fire. That it consumes my thoughts that aren't of Him. That it, it consumes every element of my being that's not of Him. It consumes anything and everything that doesn't bring Him honor and glory. It just consumes all that I am. That it, I want that consuming fire in my life. Charles Finney, the famous revivalist who didn't even have the fullness of truth. But yet many, many people would come to hear him and cities would be dramatically altered when he would come in and, and preach in his great revivals. And people, someone asked him the question, what is the secret? What do you do? He said, I just come into a city and I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. Our God is a consuming fire. And it was his intent to baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. This is why on the day of Pentecost, when they were, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, there appeared to them cloven tongues like as of fire and sat upon each one of them. It was the indicator of the fulfillment of the word of God. It was a consuming fire. That's why they could walk out of that place and go, how is it that people begin to sell lands and do stuff that's like, man, this is radical. You're doing things that says you're completely sold out. I am. I've got this consuming fire. It just consumes everything about me. It consumes all of my focus and energy and attention. Do they still have lives? Absolutely. But the fire overtook everything else. I, I remember as a child, I didn't understand it when I was a child, but my grandfather would burn the yard every few summers. He would literally burn the whole, it was the ugliest thing. The whole yard was black. I mean, we didn't have like a little patch postage stamp either. He had... You know, his house sat on two acres. He'd burn the whole yard, solid black, burn everything. I'm thinking, what are you doing? And he would always do it like right at the end of winter. And I would, as a child, I, was, I, I didn't understand. Well, obviously, then it would begin to grow like it had not grown before. What was he doing? He knew some things, the only way to get them out. I'm just going to set it to fire. And then that which is intended to grow can grow without competing with all of those other things. And so it would make the lawn lusher and greener because he would burn the entire lawn. Now, he didn't do that every year. Periodically. And it would grow in fuller, greener. Because fire had burned up all of that. I guess it also did some things to ants and bugs, too. I'm not sure about that. But that makes sense, doesn't it? 
Now, that's in the natural. But we must think he is a consuming fire. Now, the only way for the fire to remain and to burn in my life and yours is an altar. There's no other way. An altar. We have to be willing to lay our life on the altar and say, God, here I am. That's where I found myself. My altar's been that little footstool in my house. Brother George, I just, somebody needs to get this in our spirit. I've just found myself mourning. Just laying over that stool. God, whatever it takes. I don't want to get off the altar. I'm asking you to consume the sacrifice. I'm asking you to consume the sacrifice. Let the fire of God fall on the altar. And let it consume the sacrifice. Let the fire of God fall on the altar. Let it burn away the chaff. Let it burn away the impurity. Let it bring the dross to the surface. Uh, Let the fire of God, consuming fire, consume me. I want a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. In the name of Jesus, would you reach to him right now? This is what he wants to do. In the name of Jesus, our God is a consuming fire. He would like to consume us. To set us aflame in such a way. That our lives burn in such a manner as a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to him. And we begin to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And thereby our life proves the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It starts on an altar of sacrifice where the consuming fire that is our God comes upon our life. And it won't come in the casual moments. It won't come in complacent living. It will come by a child of God laying our life upon an altar as a sacrifice afresh and saying, here I am. I realize the fire may be painful, but I want it to consume me. I'm staying on this altar. I present myself to you, the Holy One, as a living sacrifice. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, come on, the God of this world wants to lure you and I to get off the altar. The God of this world wants to appeal to our flesh 
to get off the altar. The God of this world wants to appeal to our desires to get us to leave the altar. But the value of a life spent for the Lord is found first upon an altar where the fire of God will come and consume the sacrifice. Precious child of God, can I implore you, get back on the altar. Get back on the altar. Let's put our lives back on the altar again. And pray, fire of God, consume us. Fire of God, consume us. Jesus, in the name of 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 Jesus, Jesus, we trust in you, Father, we trust in you, Father, we trust in you, Father. We trust in you, Father. We trust in you, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We submit to you by your grace operating in our lives. In the name of Jesus. We have received a kingdom that cannot be moved. We have received a kingdom that cannot be moved. What the Holy Ghost is doing right now is letting this of his word get into mine and your spirit. This altar and this consuming fire doesn't happen in a moment. It requires a commitment to staying on the altar. It's why the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. He was starting his day getting back on the altar again. Daily, 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 daily. 
daily. We used to sing a song that said, Lord, set me a fire, make me a flame. Amen. I pray we continue, continue He's taking us somewhere. He's taking us somewhere. He's taking us somewhere. In Jesus' name. It's wonderful to have Brother Joel Hart with us tonight. The other one. You're like, that's weird. He's talking about himself in the third person. Um. So, um, I'd like him to come and just flow in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Any of you know he serves the congregation in Union Gap? And I asked Elder Flowers if he could be with us tonight, and he agreed. And so, amen. Amen. kind of a harsh statement, but it's, it's been said that we can either burn now or burn later. <laughs> and like I said, it's kind of harsh, but it's the reality of what is to come. He's a consuming fire in our lives now, but he's also going to judge the world once again. But he's not going to do it with floods. It's going to be with fire. And I don't know about you, but I want to be consumed before that day. <laughs> I don't want there to be any part of me left in that day. Uh, I don't want to be here <laughs> at all <laughs> when that day comes. I don't believe that I will. Uh, there's just one passage of scripture I want to share this tonight. You have your Bibles. First John chapter four. Let's start with verse. Start with verse 15. It says, Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him. And it's not to say that just confessing it means he dwells in you. We don't believe in that, but if you read just a few verses earlier, it talks about the Spirit and Him giving us the Spirit, so I know there's a little bit more to it than that, um, but He's speaking this based on uh, understanding that, that we should already have, so just to clarify that. Verse 16 says, and we have known and believed the love that God has to us, for God is love. 
And he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. <laughs> I, I just kind of realized this before service that sort of the Valentine season, and this is by no means intentional on my part, but I had this question tonight of how many of you are in love? I can think think of and mean a lot of different things, but uh, I think the scripture should determine what that means for us. To be in love should mean that we're in God, in the truest sense of love. Let's read a little further. Verse 17, herein is our love made perfect. I want, I want perfect love. I want complete love. That we may have, and watch this, this is kind of the purpose of our love being perfected, of our love being completed in him. It's, it's so that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, in the day when that fire <laughs> may come, or, or more specifically, when we are taken out of here and we go before him in a place of judgment and we pass by him in that judgment seat, if we don't have perfected and complete love, we're not going to maybe have as much of a confidence in that place as we should have. And watch, I think I finished that verse, because the beginning of that, or the end of that verse says, because as he is, so are we in this world. In verse 18, familiar, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Man. But this is a this here is an element of, of fear, what fear causes. It says, because fear has torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. And that word that word torment there, I got looking at it in a couple different translations. And I don't know, uh, Brother Renee, if, if you have the ability to put the amplified up there. No? Okay, that's fine. Um, but that word torment there. In the Amplified, and, and if you look at the, the Greek word, it means it's, it's like a fear of, of not just correction, but it's a fear of uh, being, being corrected, being disciplined, being punished. And so the Bible says that there's no fear in love because perfect love casts out a fear. And if we have this fear, we're going to be living in a place of torment, a place of worry of, man, am I going to be, am I going to be judged or, or am I, are the things that I'm doing going to be disciplined in, in a certain way uh, that I wouldn't want to happen? And as, as I've been thinking about this, I, I couldn't help but thinking back across my, my life and younger years where I would, I would do things with, knowing that no one was watching, but in my imagination, like if I was playing baseball or mowing the lawn, s silly things, but I would always, in my imagination, imagine that someone was watching. Uh, more specifically, of course, my, my parents, the ones that I, I knew, I, I wanted to receive their love, and I wanted them to, to love me, and obviously they, they did and they do, um, but what, I don't know what it was in me that in doing certain things, whether it was tasks or 
things that maybe they did ask me to do or other things that maybe they didn't ask me to do or, or sports, whatever it was, you know, you, you score a, a basket or you make a hit and, and it's just kind of the default thing to kind of look over there to the, <laughs> to the stands and see, look for the ones who, who love you, right? Because we want to, we want to know, okay, what I just did, I, it's, it's approved by them. It's accepted by them. But I realized that because we live in a world with a lot of humanity and <laughs> flaws, that not every case of, of love from or to individuals is, is unconditional. And as a matter of fact, probably most of them aren't unconditional between human beings because we're humans and we get offenses and we, we have certain expectations. And so we, we say it without saying it that unless you do this, then I'm not going to love you. Or if you do this, then I'm not going to love you either. And I, I believe that I've done this myself, that I bring that, that mindset sometimes into my relationship with God. And I say, God, I'm trying to do everything I know to do. I'm, I'm trying to earn your love. I'm trying to, I don't want to, but then the enemy gets in there and he, he torments me because I have this fear of, of the consuming fire at times. And, oh, man, you make one mistake and <laughs> Ananias and Sapphira <laughs> status is going to just, just happen. If you guys don't know that story, they lied to the Holy Ghost. And so, so God uh, struck them, and that was a pretty pretty extreme and unique situation, but in the, in the perfect love of God, the love of God that he desires for us to live in, there's no fear. There's no worry of being punished. There's no worry of him changing his mind and saying, nope, you know what, I don't love you anymore. Because we see here in the, in the scripture as well that God is love. So we can't, we know that we can't earn God's love because we can't earn God. We can't earn who he is. We can't earn what he is to us. Just like the Holy Ghost is freely given to us, so is his, his love. Amen. Can we, just for a moment, I, can we just close our eyes and pray? Pray in the Holy Ghost for a second. In the name of Jesus, God, we pray your love. We pray the love of God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God, we're not here to try to earn your love. We know that if we love you, we will keep your commandments, God. But if we fail, if we falter, you're not there to judge us. You're not there with an iron fist, God, to come down on us. Jesus, ila bahata ye no lobo sana la la bahata ye lo lobo kosa la la baha. Ila basando robo kosa la la bahata ye la baha. Can we stand for a moment? I'm. That's all I feel to say. I, I, I just want us to stand and, and pray for a few moments. In the name of Jesus. 
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, the love of God that cast out all fear, the love of God that cast out all fear. Jesus, the fear, the torment, it has to go. The fear of punishment, God. I pray it be cast on you. That we fall upon the altar tonight, Jesus, and surrender ourselves to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you want to come and physically kneel at this altar this evening, you feel free to do that. I just want to wait on the Lord for a few moments. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. We worship you.
Come on, let the consuming fire consume those excuses. Let it consume every excuse that we would make that would say we're not worthy of his love. It's a lie from the enemy. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. In the name of Jesus. The the following verse where we read in Hebrews in the next chapter after it says God is a consuming fire. The following verse says, let brotherly love continue. (laughs) Amen. And I think even greater now as we see the day approaching is the need for love towards one another and we could continue reading there in John first John and it talks about how can we love those who we have seen or how can we love God who we haven't seen if we can't even love those our brothers who we have seen who we live with who we dwell with and abide with every day Because it's easy as humans to see the other humanity (laughs) 
in our fellow brother and our fellow sister. And it's easy for us to disqualify them from, from our own love or from the love of God. <laughs> it's just like it's, it says in the Sermon on the Mount, if, if you're going to try to deal with the splinter in your brother's eye, you better deal with the beam that's in your own eye first. If we're honest with ourselves, we have to acknowledge that none of us are worthy or can earn the love of God. None of us deserve his love. But that's the power of his love. To be able to love us in spite of our flaws. To be able to love us even though we continue to put the nails in his hands. I'm thankful for the love of God. It gives me a boldness. I, I'm realizing more recently that if I start to deal with a little bit of anxiety, uncertainty, doubt, that maybe I'm not receiving of or accepting the love of God in the perfect fullness of the way that I should be. Because it's... It gives me a boldness, gives me a confidence to approach the throne of, of grace as well and know that he's, he's going to give me grace. He's going to give me mercy in time of need. Amen. In Jesus' name. Well, I'm done. <laughs> Can we, let's stand one more time. I, I, I think it'd be appropriate to for some of the maybe a brother to find a brother sister to find a sister can we for can we for a few moments let brotherly love continue and join with someone next to us or near us someone that's not in your family and that's that's not in your household find someone that that you feel you need to show a little love to and why don't we Join together for a moment and in Jesus' name. 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 In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Let brotherly love continue, I pray.
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let your love be made perfect in us, O oh God. Let your love be made perfect in us, O oh God. Let your love be made perfect in us, I pray. Of Jesus, 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 Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, 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 Jesus. In you is everything we have need of. In you is everything we have need of. You are the source of life. You are the source of life. You are the source of life and peace. In you, Father. In you, Father. In you, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.
Thank you, Father. God is good to us. His love is perfect. It is complete. We must learn to receive his love. We must learn to receive his love. It's not a soft and warm and fuzzy love. It's a love that will pull us close. But it's also a love that will correct us and instruct us. It will guide us. It will protect us. It will keep us. I'm sure it was shared, just in case. God, John said, God is love. It's who he is. It's not just what he does. He doesn't just love us. He is love. When you receive him, that's why the first fruit of the spirit is love. When you and I are filled with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, if you're highly educated. No, I'm kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. It was a joke. That's why when we are filled with the Holy Ghost, the fir- you understand the fruits of the Spirit are progressive. They begin to develop in our lives. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. It is not. Our love, it is the love of the Father, the Spirit of God that now dwells in us, manifesting itself. Okay? This is the design and the desire of God and the the function of the fruits of the Spirit. The adversary has corrupted that in our world. He has made love sensual. Feeling based. I'm not saying there's no feeling. But God is love. It's why it's why I can come to know a man that I've never known in my life, and in a short time after God has filled him with the Holy Ghost. I can say without reservation and with full, complete truth and conviction, I love you. Not because, man, it's amazing. You're just such a good person that you love everybody. No, I'm not. It is the fruit of His Spirit. He develops this in us. It's why people should, should they choose to come to the house of God, they should say, man, I, I love nothing more than somebody saying, man, I don't know. When I'm there, I just I, I like feel the love of the people. No, they don't. They feel the love of God operating through his body. We can't produce that. It's the reason why you never see me stand up here and say, now when there's guests, make sure you shake all their hands and tell them how glad you are to see it. 
I mean, you do that naturally, but we don't promote. Right? What we promote is being led by the Spirit. If you're led by the Spirit, it's going to express and manifest the love of God to others. I'm just going to start with my brother. Sorry if I'm repeating stuff. And with my sister. And if I don't love my brother the way God loves my brother, then the love of God is not yet perfected in me. Ooh, I felt that. If I don't love my brother and love my sister the way God loves them, then the love of God is not yet perfected in me. We need to pray right there for a minute. When I feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost working here right now, we need to allow him to work in our spirit. He's trying to do something in our spirit right now. We've got to let him do it. If you need to sit, sit. I don't want you to feel like you're, but I I just don't want to rush through. The Holy Ghost is trying to do something in us right here. And the spirit hit a vein or a nerve, depending on where we're at right there said, if I don't love my brother and sister the way he does, then he's revealing something to me about a place he's wanting to perfect something in my life. He's wanting to complete something in me, wanting to heal something in me. I can't love my brother the way I should in my human effort. I need the love of God operating through me to minister to my brother, to love my brother. This is why the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. Does that mean it hides it so it's okay? No, 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 no. It means when I look at my brother, if he has faults, as we all do, love doesn't look on the fault. Love seeks to cover them, not condemn them. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Heal me, Father. Heal my mind, my body, my spirit, my heart. Let the love of God flow through me without hindrance. Let the love of God flow through the body without hindrance. Pure, uninhibited, untainted, a pure motive. Not self-serving, not self-seeking. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This is what Paul was talking to the church about in 1 Corinthians 13. 
when he said, love seeketh not its own, doesn't behave unseemly, said all of these things about love. He was talking about the love of God in life. That's the differentiator. This is the verse we miss all the time that's in 1 Corinthians 13. When he gets past saying all those things about love, he says, when I was a child. What? What does that have to do with love? He said, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I thought as a child, and I understood as a child. But when I became a man, or I matured, I put away childish things. He was talking about love. He spent all that time talking about how love acts. And then he referenced his place of immaturity until he came to a place of maturity. It wasn't out of place. It was his way of addressing those in the church in Corinth and saying, you might say you love all this. But if your love behaves in any of these ways contrary to this, you're still acting like a spiritual child that hasn't matured yet and hasn't put away all those things where you act based on emotion and feeling and your own opinions and ideas and the love of God is not operating through you. But when I was a child, I spake like one. I thought like one. I acted like one. But when I became a man, I put those things away. Now the love of God can flow and operate through my life like I just told you up here in these verses that preceded now, I'm not telling you that like I've arrived there. Spiritual maturity brings a growth in the depth of the love of God operating through our lives. And this is why Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. By the love you have one for another. Amen? Praise God. Well, you've been patient. You've been receptive and responsive. May our great God bless you. Please don't forget, Sunday we will not have service here. Sunday will be a combined service in Union Gap starting at 11 a.m. Prayer at 1030 uh, please get the word out. We'll, we'll remind everyone on WhatsApp, but just in case, please get the word out. I would say if you get there at 11, you may not be able to find a seat. And so uh, you should be there early and pray anyway. Get your, get your spirit clear and let the Holy Ghost do a great work. Amen. So that's this Sunday in Union Gap, um, 3305 Main Street. 3505. 35, I always get it wrong. 3505 Main Street in Union Gap. Sign says Life Church on the building. It's right across from the post office. Type Life Church Union Gap. You'll find it. So 11 o'clock. Be there early. Find a place of prayer. Amen. Next week will be men's conference. We're believing for a phenomenal time in the Lord. Men, I would ask you to be prayerful about that. Should you... Uh, should you be able, men, I think there would be great value 
in between now and next Thursday, setting aside a day of fasting and praying about that time together as men, what the Lord will do and how he will minister there. I'm looking forward to the time with all of you. Amen. So God bless you. Please greet someone. You're dismissed in the beautiful name of Jesus.